Welcome to the Indestructible Wealth Podcast. This is the place where we help young entrepreneurs and professionals to make, keep, and grow wealth that you can enjoy now and for years to come. I'm your host, Jack Gibson, a serial entrepreneur, founder of multiple seven and eight figure businesses and wealth building strategist. Each week, I'm gonna share my tips, resources, and secrets to help you create a plan and build the life you've dreamed of. You know, Jack, you've had just, we've been on this ride together, but at the same time, we all have our own individual experiences. And so I wanted to take this opportunity on this episode to really just interview you and get like your personal take. And this is really about how to avoid the three biggest mistakes in real estate investing, because I know you're, you know, Got a pretty good history of making mistakes. I'm really very proud of you for that. Well, thanks for that. That's, that's what an intro. Oh, shit. <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's going to be good because I think people are going to really learn some things from your personal experience. So I know that, you know, a lot of this goes way back to prior to us even being partners and you being a lot more active in the stock market than you are now. And so I want to ask kind of about how, like, what was the beginning of the lessons that you were learning? Yeah, you know, back in 2014, my stock portfolio dropped like a rock. Um, I was too heavily concentrated in, you know, just a few positions. And one of them in particular was short sold. Um, in other words, another big, big institutional hedge fund investor put a $1 billion short bet against our stock, against the stock that I held, and it drove it down, I don't know, Shecky, like 50% or more. It was insane. And of course, that's market manipulation. I mean, you put a billion dollars short, and then you put out, you know, tons of bad press. I mean, I don't know how that's legal, but somehow it was. So at that point, you know, Shecky, I said, I'm not going to live like this the rest of my life. I'm not going to go put in all my money into the stock market where I have zero control. And I vowed to myself that I would learn and invest into real estate that day. Yeah. So that kind of was what led you to starting to buy properties. I think, you know, I know you're in Michigan, but isn't that, isn't that when you started buying properties in Indianapolis? Yeah, I ended up buying in Indianapolis because I was really interested in this relatively new uh, sector of real estate investing called turnkey. Now, it's a pretty common term. I think most people understand what it entails. And I think there's still a lot of people that have no idea it's a great way for busy entrepreneurs and professionals to, to get access and exposure to the space. But my reason why I went with turnkey to start, and this is after listening to a ton of podcasts, I read a lot of books on real estate, you know, a lot of research, looked at deals. I came to three glaring conclusions. Number one, I was getting drastically distracted from my primary business, which, had, you know, my primary business over the last 25 years is a health and fitness, nutrition, marketing business, right? That distraction was clearly becoming costly to the growth of that business. And then number two, there was so much I didn't know. And then you know, plenty that I didn't know that I didn't know. And I was aware that I didn't know what I didn't know. I just didn't know what it was, right? Um, yeah. So as Jim Rohn says, the great business philosopher who taught Tony Robbins, what you don't know will cost you. Ignorance is not bliss. So 
that and then number three i couldn't find any deals that made sense from a cash flow perspective in my local area you know i live in southwest michigan whirlpool worldwide headquarters is right here in this very small town of 10,000 people so this is a very very good economy here most of it is is whirlpool money coming into the to the area and then on top of that we're not too far away from chicago i mean we're right around the corner from chicago so we have all the chicago money coming in as well so all of that just boosted up real estate prices to where i just couldn't see that our buying rental property would really make sense from margin of cushion from the cash flow coming in and then i was listening to a podcast and they said these this magic line this really changed my whole mindset live where you want to live but invest where it makes sense and that just one line sometimes is all it takes you know, to shift your mindset. And then I realized, okay, I got to start looking at other markets. I don't have to just buy property in my own backyard. So I started researching, looking at other more profitable rental markets across the country. And Indianapolis kept popping up on everybody, everybody's blog, everybody's site that I read, you know, they, they listed Indianapolis as a very strong cash flow producing market. It was only two and a half hours from my house. So I said, you know, why don't I start looking at deals here? So I drove into town one day, did a tour, looked at properties around the uh, the market. And it wasn't very long, you know, after that, maybe just a month or so that I pulled the trigger and bought my first turnkey property. Okay, so Jack, I want to ask you, you know, you started buying turnkey properties. And as a result of that experience, that's kind of how you came to learn these three major lessons or what is now the title of this episode how to avoid the three biggest mistakes when buying rental properties so tell us a little bit about that experience and how you came to learn those lessons yeah shecky great question you know turnkey what i found as a as a new investor it helped me to avoid the three biggest mistakes that real estate investors make now the challenge that i came up against is that and you and I both are very clear that the original turnkey provider that you know we partnered up with you know it turned out to be uh, not just a little bit shady but very shady so <laughs> we we yes. had to go we had to go out on our own and you know try to figure out how to acquire properties how to rehab them and how to put a new management company in place so in those three buckets with the acquisition right or the purchase of a property and then the second bucket, the construction bucket, hiring contractors and all of that. And then the third bucket, the actual management of the property or getting it, you know, performing and cash flowing, placing tenants, screening tenants, et cetera. Those are where the three major mistakes lie in each of those three buckets. So the first big mistake is you pay too much for a property based on it, the condition. So in other words, most people have no problem you know, they can get comps, they can, you know, in terms of figuring out the, the value of a property from the exterior, you can look, you know, you can look at a property on the outside, oh, looks great. It's, uh, you know, got nice landscaping, right? It's visually uh, appealing. And then, oh, yeah, this also comps well, in terms of this is comparative to properties around it within a three to whatever, five mile radius. This is, the value of it, I have a pretty good idea on. But unless you get an internal inspection and look at the interior condition, 
and then have a pretty good idea of what it's going to cost you to fix those items should you go ahead and move forward with the acquisition. Shecky, this is where you can lose a lot of money. I made this mistake on a property here in Michigan. So I did buy property outside of Indianapolis and in other markets, but most heavily centered in Indianapolis. But I brought a property in, in Michigan and I declined to get an inspection. And I just, I went off the property manager's, you know, his word. He said, oh yeah, it's in good shape. Well, I mean, this thing was, it was a piece of junk. And sure. so once I bought it, even though I thought I was getting a good deal, I ended up with a turd because I had to put so much money back into it just to get it back up to rental standards that I was felt acceptable for, you know, my tenants that were living there. So yeah. this is very common, Shecky, I think, is paying too much based on the interior condition. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the number one, so let's move on to number two. So you had mentioned a little bit about contractors, and I'm guessing that that's probably somewhere related to number two mistake. Yeah. You know, when we had to go off on our own and form our own company, I mean, this was by far the, the thing that cost us the most money. I mean, this almost took our company under. and for you know, brand new, you just think about Shecky, brand new investors to real estate and they come to the game and they've got this busy career or they've got a busy business and then they want to try to vet contractors and get bids and scopes of work from them and then figure out exactly, you know, what does the property really need to get it, you know, in rent ready condition? Generally speaking, I mean, this is a very vulnerable place for investors that especially those that don't have a lot of experience, you can absolutely get inflated, you know, proposals. You have no idea that it really is inflated. You're just going on what they're, you know, you're trusting them. Uh, the other problem we found is that they would, you know, charge us and then not actually ever do the work. Or if they did the work, it was so shoddy that we had to hire another con contracting team to go back in, which is almost more expensive than had they just not, you paid them and they didn't do it at all. You know, you got to rip yeah. out, you got to rip out um, walls and go be behind to get to the electrical. Well, that's even more expensive because now you got to rip out the wall, you got to repair the electrical and then you got to replace the wall again. So if you had just done it, hired somebody good credentials, somebody quality in the first place, then you could avoid it, you know, a really, really expensive mistake. That's one of the things that, um, you know, you and I know very well about that risk. And we've <laughs> even had, yeah, yeah we've even had contractors for us, you know, even recently and we're experienced investors, right? So yeah, that, no, we shield that for, our, I want to make sure everybody knows who's an investor. We shield that. We eat those costs like that. We don't pass that on to the investors when that happens. Like that's, you know, that's part of the service and the protection that we offer, but that's a major, major uh, hurdle that, you know, can be very, very risky. And again, you know, not to beat the dead horse on turnkey, but turnkey eliminates that risk. The property's already done. It's already been rehabbed. You already have an inspection report. Yeah. And, you know, you, you brought up a good word there that I thought was perfect, vulnerable. And, uh, you know, e even us who've been at the game for a long time, we are still to an extent, vulnerable to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like to think that we've got, I know we've got a whole lot of processes in place that reduce that to an absolute minimum. Oh, but yeah. If I was being honest to every listener here, I would say it doesn't eliminate it completely. 
I just, I don't know what it is about the contractor world, but it is rife with charlatan. Sorry if you're a contractor listening to this and you're a good guy or a good gal, I tip my hat to you. But I think you you also know very well that there are some pretty seedy players in that space. So it seems to be more so there than a lot of other industries. I don't know what it is, but. Yeah, Shecky, it's just, you're so vulnerable too, because it's so difficult, even in a court of law, to be able to prove that like you were overcharged or that you were treated um, maybe even fraudulently. It, they can they can do a lot of things if they're a shyster to really make it difficult and very costly and time consuming and and a huge hassle to try to get any and recover any of your funds. So yeah, I don't think Shecky, in my opinion, we've been doing this what? We started our company in 2016, almost yeah. it'll be seven years. I just don't see that buying a property and hiring a construction team to try to, you know, fix it up so you can get a better deal. You know, you, you will get a better deal. You buy that property at a, that needs a lot of work. You're probably going to get it at a lower than market price. Cause you know, a, a normal home buyer isn't going to buy it. If it needs a lot of fixing up and they, they can't get loans to get it either. I mean, if it's not in good shape. So these are cash buyers that are coming in, in most cases that are buying dilapidated properties, fixing them up to try to force the equity up, you know, so that you have a stronger equity position in the property. Well, I don't just don't see that that amount that you can get is worth the risk of, you know, potentially getting screwed and, and then being vulnerable to contractors. To me, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. No, I agree. And look, there there are certainly some great investors out there that have that stuff dialed in and do all this in their own city and they've got good crews and all that. But, you know, like us, I'm assuming it probably took them years to develop those processes. And they're not, you know, what I would call like armchair investors where they're got a great job or a great career, you know, seven or eight states away living in a more expensive state and want to invest, say, you know, in a good market in the Midwest or the South, because the numbers just make more sense there. So, uh, you know, turnkey is certainly not for everybody, but for those people, I think they have a pretty clear understanding of what not to do and how not to get yourself into a very vulnerable position. Speaking of vulnerable, I, I think that if I were to guess on the third mistake, it probably relates to property management. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, that, so, that's essentially the third bucket of real estate investing. Most cases, I mean, I don't think it really makes sense for the investor owner to be managing the property themselves, especially if you're out of state. I mean, I know people want to save that 10% or, you know, whatever the property management fee, which varies. They don't want to pay that because it does boost their cash on cash returns significantly if they're not spending that money. However, you could definitely get yourself into a jam if you really don't know how to screen tenants effectively, how to do background checks, how to, you know, do all the things that you need to do, show properties without getting everything, you know, vandalized or stolen, right? There's there's risk in that too if you don't have systems and processes in place. Now, on top of that, you can hire and enlist the wrong property management company, which we've gone through a couple real bad ones in the past, and mm -hmm. that could cost you more than anything. Now, contractors still to this day have cost us more than any of the other three buckets, 
but uh, property management companies, when you have some that either they're just, they're really not into it, they really don't have great systems and processes in place, they're disorganized, or even uh, we've run into some that are very unethical, lack of a complete and total regard for doing what is best for their clients. That yeah. is a major drain. If you think about when you're buying, let's just say your analogy, you're buying a stock and on the public markets, right? Any savvy, really good investor that has experience, they're going to look at the team that's running the company. The team largely makes or breaks the success and the profitability of the company. Sure. So this is the same thing with your property. The team that's managing your property is going to, a lot of times they can make or break your investment. You, they can take a great property and turn it into, you know, a, a terrible return. And they can take a, you know, even a, an average property and potentially turn it into a good to, to great return. So that's, that's a big risk with turnkey. You know, you're buying into a system, you're a proven established system where the management is already in place and they have a vested interest in making sure that your investment goes well. And of yeah. course, it's not everything's going to go smooth always. Like, come on, that's life, guys. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that's a great analogy talking about, you know, management of a company. And if you look at each property that you own, it's like its own small little company. Yeah. Uh, that, or even, you know, small little subsidiaries of a company, if you're owning multiple properties, which hoping, hoping you do, because diversification is important, but that's a, it's a fantastic analogy. So like, this has been great. I just, I just want to review like the three biggest mistakes, right? Yep. Number one is paying too much, right? Because sometimes it has to do with thinking you've got a good deal and maybe you didn't. That's um, right. And much of that has to do with condition of the property, et cetera, et cetera. It's not necessarily about how much dollars you spent, but the dollars you spent for what you are actually getting. Nailed uh, it. The, the biggest lesson there is obviously have it inspected. Third parties, inspectors, whatever you pay them are worth their weight in gold. Uh, you know, these are people trained to find problems and they love to justify their existence. I often find that they find more problems that are really there with the property, but that's a whole nother story. Oh yeah, they're good at it. Absolutely. There's never been a clean inspection report that's come back for us, even no. when we're like, this property is in excellent condition. I know, but- they, do, still, they don't feel like they did their job unless they- Correct. It's still an extremely valuable service. So number yeah. two is don't make the mistake of using the wrong contractors. You know, make sure that you've got somebody really, really good, trustworthy, a good setup system, whether or not you're buying turnkey, whatever you're buying, right? Make sure you're, you've got a, a good, solid team that's doing the rehab. Again, post-rehab, an inspection can obviously tell you what the condition of the property is after the rehab, too. So, again, there's value in inspectors in that regard, too. And the third one is who's running your company, right? What kind of property management team is involved? Uh, what process do they have in place? Uh, are they communicative? Are they protecting your property? You know, et cetera, et cetera. I wish that you and I and the many other millions of investors out there did not have to learn these lessons the hard way because there were literally millions of dollars on our part overall lost by making these mistakes. Um, has it made us better investors? Absolutely, no question. 
But at the same time, if you're listening to this and, and you are a newer investor, you can thank Jack for sharing his story and learning some of the lessons on his dime. So, and mine too, you know. You've so. got to remember, Shecky, you know, when you're buying a property, you are buying a business. Mm-hmm. It it has a profit and loss statement. You know, you have you have income coming in from rents. You have expenses that are associated with the property, property management fees. Of course, I strongly recommend taxes, insurance, maintenance and repairs, CapEx, right? And mm-hmm. so... You've got decisions to make in running that that particular property in the business with repair and maintenance decisions, eviction potentially, although with good property management, you know, you don't have a lot of those, but it's always a possibility. You know, this it's a true cash flow producing business that you're buying. So, you know, you gotta look at all of these components in order to protect your capital. Like Warren Buffett said, you know, what's rule number one? Don't lose money. Don't lose money. Yeah. yeah. The other piece to this that we didn't really discuss is when you're buying a company or a property, it's the same thing. Are you buying a healthy company? So a lot of you guys recognize that our history was more in the C class arena or even C minus in the lower income areas and things like that because the numbers and the deals look so good. So the, the last little bonus piece of information that I want to throw at you besides these three is that we are pretty much exclusively operating in the B-class market now. I mean, just good, solid, middle to upper Mm -hmm. class kind of stuff. When you look at that stuff on paper, it doesn't look as sexy as the lower income area. You know, cash on cash returns, things like that. However, it's been our experience that, and again, a very costly experience, that the numbers can lie. It's very much the same as you thinking you were getting that great deal on that property in Michigan. Looks good, but when push comes to shove and the history of that opportunity plays out, it never plays out the way you think it's going to. The nice thing about B-class and A-class properties is for the most part, granted, like I said, it's real estate and there are some exceptions, but for the most part across the board, the numbers that you project as long as you're not being an idiot and you're projecting realistic numbers, they will likely come through. And that's huge to not have that kind of volatility, uh, especially in this extremely volatile economy that we're living through right now. So uh, I just want to throw that in there too. Yeah, just to put a bow on what you just said, you know, most of our investors, we don't want to paint the picture that, that we did poorly or our investors didn't do well in C class. Any of our investors, even if they they had some challenges, you know, with the property, the tenants, et cetera, if they held for three plus years, Shaki, I mean, they all they all would have made money. I had a few investors that maybe didn't, but that's usually and typically when they just sold out early. So what's great about real estate, you know, if you just even if you make the wrong decision, if you just hold it for long enough. Typically, it's going to work out. That's what that's what you and I have both seen, anyways. Yeah, that's true. But I, you know, I, I would much rather be holding on to stuff that is, um, you know, much more, you know, like you can love it and it actually loves you back. Right. You don't have all the headaches and yes, hundred <laughs> yeah, exactly. percent. Yes. So, Start in B class, and I think you guys are going to have a much smoother yeah experience. Sure. So anyway, if you want to find out more about this, you can reach out to us. Uh, 
go to our site, highreturnrealestate.com. Uh, you're welcome to fill out a contact form. Uh, typically, anybody that we want to do business with or that wants to do business with us is going to speak to Nicole, our lovely investor relations gal. She and her husband are very avid investors, and um, she can certainly help you find the right property. And thanks for listening. If you liked us, leave us a good review. Yes, absolutely. And share, share, share on social media. We'd really appreciate you guys getting the word out. Yep. Thanks so much, Shecky. Great interview. Thank you, brother. That's a wrap for this episode on the Indestructible Wealth Podcast. If you'd like to dive deeper into your own wealth building strategy, check us out at myindestructiblewealth.com and follow along on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and yes, even TikTok. Send me your questions and your financial challenges, and I promise I'll respond. Also, I'll think you're really awesome if you'll share and leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. Until next time, remember our mission here is to help you make, keep, and grow wealth you can enjoy now and for years to come.